Hi, I'm Rob Bastone, and welcome to a change of pace edition of the Rider Rumbling video podcast. After basically a month of dissecting Riders Lose to Calgary, Riders Lose to Calgary, um, Riders about to play Calgary, will they lose to, will they lose to Calgary again? Uh, they've defeated Calgary 20-17, to 17, and we have a different angle to, to pursue today. Uh, we being yours truly and uh, the estimable Murray McCormick, who is here with us again today, um, and my cone-headed dog, Candy. So, she uh, she's got a, an abrasion on one of her paws and needs needs to avoid providing herself with her own pedicure for the next few days. So I know the world needs to know that. Uh, Mer, you go, you go through more stuff with your dog than I've gone through with my kids in life. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. No, I, uh, I I I love my girl. Um, and there was a lot to like about the Ryder game hey. on Saturday, despite it's it was strange that I wrote about it in my column. Um, in the Tuesday Leader Post, a lot of the things they were doing are a lot of the things that they did on Saturday in Calgary, except this time they won, which yes. tells me that they were a lot more resourceful this time around than they were the previous uh, two games. A lot of the things we thought they needed to do in order to beat Calgary didn't materialize, but they still beat Calgary. Um, <laughs> just shows what we know, I guess, huh? Praise to the football gods, because I really wasn't looking forward to a third straight decimation of the Rough Riders losing to the Calgary Stampeders. I was kind of you kind of like them to win every now and again, that up and down, you know, kind of the motions of the season and stuff. And Saturday's game gave us something, some light, some hope. They did a pretty good job at that. Pretty close. I know we can't say for sure, but they're pretty close to having a playoff spot in a home playoff game. I think they're, you know, with four games, they win three or four or two or four and Calgary stumbles. They're going to have a home playoff game. So the whole picture and the whole mood and the whole atmosphere around the Rough Riders is different. This week, as usually happens with the win. But don't you feel that way? It's just a little more optimistic. I know it's a not a sunny day and it's pretty fall, but it just feels brighter around Saskatchewan now the riders have won. And we're not supposed to be affected by that, but we are still, you know, our family members are happier, questions are better. You know what I've noticed always, I mean, there still isn't a lot of buzz um, no. about the Rough Riders, about the CFL. Maybe it's the product. Uh, maybe it's everything that's going on. Uh, maybe it's covid uh, I don't know what it is, but usually when the Riders hit a bit of a skid, and especially they lose to Calgary, my inbox fills up and my Twitter account is overrun. And even when the Rough Riders weren't playing that well, when they were losing, I wasn't getting a lot of feedback. I know that they've won. I'm not getting a lot of feedback. Maybe it's me, but uh, <laughs> it seemed to be there was, there was a lot more. There was a lot more after the back-to-back losses to Winnipeg than there was after the back-to-back losses to Calgary and, and, and then uh, rising from the uh, game in Calgary. There just hasn't been a lot. I, I just, I don't Maybe sense that there's a lot of buzz about it. You feel that way it's about almost all sports? Like it's, it might be a baseball playoff for the ages. I've been watching that. Home runs where Zero is just an amazing athlete for the Braves. We got those cheating Astros. The NFL has been taken over by Brady again, so maybe there hasn't been as much buzz. But I, I kind of get... What about Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, Bridgewater. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, too. <laughs> he beat just, Bridgewater. It doesn't seem to be the buzz about sports that maybe you and I are used to in the fall. I don't know, maybe. I, I, feel, I feel jacked about it. Yeah. I really do. I, I love the love the fact that there's so much going on locally. Uh, mm. And uh, the NHL is starting. And, I mean, Cole Sillinger is playing for Columbus. I think that's a wonderful story. High school football has been really good. The Regina Thunder just finished an 8-0 season. I, I'm, I'm sure the Thunder and the Tilt Tops will meet again 
November yep. 14th at uh, Mosaic Stadium, I presume, for the uh, league title. And, and who's to say that the Hilltops won't knock off the Thunder to win that? Because uh, there those teams, there's not a lot separating those teams. Uh, Canada West football's going. There's, there's so much going on. Uh, WHL's up. I, I'm really jacked about a lot of the things that are going on. But the Rough Riders, to me, just there's something about them that just doesn't seem to resonate this year. In 2019... Um, yeah, that was just like, that was such a joyous year to cover the team, and a lot of the you know, principal figures are still front and center. But there just doesn't seem to be that buzz, that that aura, but that it factor with this team, even though it's a respectable six and four, uh, that there was with uh, with the 2019 team. It's just a different vibe this year, and uh, you know, I, my, I don't think my enthusiasm for sports has waned. I, I and I'm not suggesting that I'm not enthusiastic about the Rough Riders. It's just there just isn't that same zip uh, yeah. uh, uh, with regard to that football team. Am I misreading it? Well, I, I think you're quite. I also think we're getting through the dog months of the season. I've told you that September and October. Mentioned dog. Here's my dog candy. <laughs> sure. Seem to be the, especially this year with the shortened schedule. It doesn't seem to be as much. I don't know if it's urgency, but I think that doesn't make sense. There just seems to be a quieter There should time. be more urgency to these there games. There should be more. I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm just contradicting myself here right now. But no, you aren't. Like, yes, you are. <laughs> but, you know, just and on a positive note, then maybe look at it. There should be a heck of a game in Montreal this weekend. Those, yeah. These two six and four teams, uh, I think the Riders have, a, have an advantage in the quarterbacks, but the two, the top rushing team in the league with William Stanback against the top defensive rushing team, in the league with the Rough Riders is an incredible battle going to be on there. Eugene Lewis is one of the best defensive, best receivers in the league. He's going to be playing. Dick Wineke. Dick Wineke. And then you look at Money Hunter. Money Hunter is a I'm – I'm listing their three performers of the week in the Alouette Sweat. Money Hunter should be an agent. Oh, what a name would for that him. Be a perfect name for an agent? Yeah. So I think that or, would be or a sitcom or a detective show. Yeah. So there's, there's – this, there should be hype building up for this, but it's on the road. It's in Montreal, which traditionally the riders don't draw as well. They do, I, maybe this time they might be. I don't know if people can travel. They're just, there isn't that rider presence at Montreal games that there's at our at other games. And you think there would be, given the closest to the East Coast and how American families can get up here to see their guys play. But this weekend's game, they're, they're just, and there doesn't seem to be any buzz. I know it's only Tuesday. They haven't practiced yet. So that's kind of what's going to happen. But boy, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this Saturday game. I think it's going to be a, a slobber knocker, as they like to yeah. say, with Weinberger. And well, Weinberger has something to do. You know, I'm looking forward to this one too, and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe it has a bit of a rejuvenative effect, rejuvenative effect, on uh, on the Canadian Football League, or at least helps. Because look at look at the Saturday triple header, oh. dog game, even worse game, and even the Ryder game, even though it was 2017, it was interesting in the fourth in the latter stages it was close but there was no real there weren't any real explosions in that game there weren't there weren't any plays oh. where you looked at them and thought this is a, what an amazing play it was just a grinded out football game and you know nine ten hours of football on a saturday and oh. most of it's a waste of time and the cfl just in general this year has not been that entertaining and maybe there's just a, a cfl fatigue that's setting in because you don't I find you turn on a CFL game now, and it feels like it's more out of obligation than out of sheer passion, especially when you've got, you know, NHL center ice, and you've got uh, yeah. the NBA season starting, and baseball's in the playoffs. There's just there's so many things to watch on TV now as a sports fan, and the CFL just doesn't even, doesn't need to move the needle because there's not the real promise 
of anything really extraordinary happening. And uh, the Ryder games, everything still stops for them. But the other games, it's just, well, I'll just keep an eye on them. I just Keith doesn't. They just they just aren't really grabbing me this year, and and uh, I, maybe that's just a me problem. Could be. Do you think the triple header is a bit too much? And I know the NFL, we do it every Sunday with the NFL, and actually a quadruple header if they have games from London that we sit yeah. there and we watch game after game after game after game. But the CFL triple headers, and I noticed that on Saturday, and I'm not. We knew we're in for a long day, regardless. Late kickoff and things are going to happen, but. Boy, I kind of thought, man, they just got a double header on this, and maybe got a double header Friday and Saturdays. Maybe that's better, a better way to do it. Maybe, maybe that would be better. Game. But but you, know, I, you got to stay out of the way of the NFL. And yeah, they do. I don't mind a triple header with three good games or even two out of three. But you can't but, hide the bad games in the CFL, Rob. You can do that. No. How many games? I was trying to think on Sunday when I was watching all the NFL games. How many good games there were? And there were a couple. Like I can't. Yeah, this past much. Sunday wasn't a great day for the NFL, especially but, the early games were just brutal. So I, I caught up on some other shows on TV, but you're exactly right. So I didn't, it didn't really catch me. But, boy, it sure got better in the second half of the, the afternoon games, and the evening game was pretty good. And then last night, so you get to see uh, Seattle do what they did. But So I think maybe the triple head might be a bit much, but as, as a crazy sports fan, as my wife said, what are you doing Saturday? I said, well, triple header, dear, I'll see you Sunday morning. I went for a bike ride. I went for a bike ride. For the, like that, That's Something I never would have done once upon a time, or if I had gone for a bike ride on the Saturday, I would have uh, I would have PVR'd the CFL games. Forget mm-hmm. it. I mean, th- those just looked like they were going to be dogs just because of who was playing who. I just I went for a bike ride. I said I'll be back. Uh, you know, I'll go I'll go pick up dinner at six thirty, and uh, we'll have uh, a, a meal before the rider game, and it's then everything stopped for the rider game. But uh, except for the bike know, ride, it just. Uh, uh, but there was a good play on Saturday, and I want to bring this up earlier, so for people who to leave us. I love the call with third and three. Yeah. What what a finally a call that said yes. Like I can I say I cheered it, in my little office and the And it hasn't were, been uncharacteristic for them to gamble in third and three situations this year. Even in their own zone, even even in their own side of midfield, they've done it. That was the most important one to yeah. date, and it was certainly the most productive one. And it was a great call. And for people who don't realize that two forty three of the Rodays were third and three. They could have taken the field goal and gone for the safety. They said they go for the touchdown to go up. 19 to 10, 20 to 10 on uh, Brett Lowther's convert. And all of a sudden, it was a game. I know things kind of got crazy at the end. That was great because we forgot. They needed those points. They needed those points. What a, so what a great, great call by Jason Moss. I know he, we've been, he's been criticized by that. I don't know if Jason Moss made the cut. I love the way that Cody rolled out. I love the pass. I love how, Ma, how that's, that's more strength to just be getting, creating space. It was just a great call at a particularly special time when they needed it. And at the end of the game, you're looking at, holy smokes, they sure needed those points. And I wondered, too, if, if having Shaq Evans and Duke Williams back or, or in the lineup, even mm-hmm. though statistically they were not impactful on that play, suddenly the opposition's in a situation where they're, they're not looking at Kyron Moore and thinking, okay, he's the guy we've got to stop on third and three. Because suddenly they've got to worry about Shaq Evans. Suddenly they've got to worry about about Duke Williams. Yeah. Uh, Braden Lenius had been slicing them up over the middle earlier in the game. So I think Braden Lenius had to be there was a, a priority. Too, wasn't, there? wasn't there a Calgary pick? One of the BBs ran they each other? They kind of ran a bit of a, you know, they, they yeah. kind of ran into each other. into coverage. But it was a pretty subtle. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying. Does it. And, yeah. and, but suddenly, Kyron Moore isn't going to necessarily get all the attention on the part of the defense. They're not thinking this is Kyron more time because they've got to worry about Evans. They've got to worry about Duke Williams. 
So not only I think Kyron Moore one on one with virtually anybody is a mismatch, but suddenly you've you've put, you've put Kyron Moore in a situation where you can play to his strength, uh, an ability to beat somebody one on one, and you know that's not going to be the priority for the defense to stop. And it just seemed to be like like uh, uh, picking an apple off a tree out of a tree for for Jason Moss for Cody Fajardo. That was uh, such a great uh, matchup and such a great call. And for all the for all the heat that Jason Moss has absorbed this season, and uh, I think a lot of it is warranted. Uh, now you're seeing Jason Moss playing with a full deck in terms of yeah. a personnel, at least in terms of so-called with a couple of aces. The offensive already. line is still porous, but oh, yeah. um, but a couple again, of that, that call that call helped them overcome any deficiencies up front because they just rolled out of trouble. If, yeah. if there was pressure, it wasn't going to get to Cody Fajardo because he's rolling out to the right and making a quick throw. It was a great call. I loved and I loved it, and I just like to see more of that. But it's also don't forget Duke Williams got that onside kick now. I haven't watched the rider formations on onside kicks. You don't really see that at practice a lot. But I wonder if Braden Lanius would have been in that spot, given his height, if Duke Williams wasn't on the team. But still, Duke Williams makes goes up high, high points the ball, cuts his onside kick. The rider still didn't do much with it, unfortunately. There's, I think that was the time count was right after that play, wasn't? It? Right after the onside kick. I wrote that down. Yeah, time count, time, time count was with about two minutes left. Yeah, that was that oh, was a. Cody, Cody accepted responsibility for that, but they should have, someone should have had a, been seeing what's going on with the clock because that could have been huge. Yeah, I mean, that game was way more interesting at the end than it should have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, between that and the punt that goes out of bounds with a net gain of eight yards, uh, they gave Calgary some late gifts that, uh, well, I'll say this for this, at least it made a CFL game more exciting than it otherwise would have been. <laughs> the yeah, when you see been, three turnovers and only 20 points, what does that say? Three turnovers and four sacks. Shouldn't they, shouldn't they have been able to generate a little bit more points? You think? Arguably, um, but you take what you get, eh? Yeah, <laughs> twenty points was enough. In the other two games, twenty some odd points wasn't enough. Well, I'm just <laughs> trying to remember what did they end up getting as a result after the after the Jeremy Clark pick. Um, uh, that was. Trying, let me just uh, see. I here. think that was the Kyren Moore. Yeah, what? I think that was too. Yeah. I actually I prepared see. myself by taking notes, Rob. Now, oh the only problem is I have to be able to no, read no, them. But they're not, read, they're not readable. <laughs> no, they're legible. I have Stanbeck in uppercase letters for some reason. If we want well, to. Well, I just have, I mean, you just finished lighting up, uh, uh, lighting somebody up for 200, 200 yards. So they're going to have to <laughs> pay attention to. Yeah, yeah the, Kyron, the Kyron Moore touchdown followed the, uh, the uh, Jeremy Clark interception and, and the return of 69 yards. Cody Fajardo runs for four yards on, on first down, then an incompletion, and then. Uh, and then and, and under a lot of pressure, uh, Cody Fajardo just barely got the ball away on second down, and then Kyron Moore uh, with the uh, with the with the touchdown. You know the previous the previous possession um, or, or or earlier in the quarter there had been the interception by Webb, yeah. and that was that was pretty massive too. Just uh, you know, the receiver receivers seemed to be open, but uh, the the uh, Webb read, Webb read the play really well and just sagged back into the zone and made the catch. It looked when as soon as the ball was thrown, I thought, man, is 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 he ever open? And suddenly Webb just backpedals and backpedals. Oh, and, yeah. and uh, but then two two plays later, the Rough Riders are punting. Well, you look at Jacob Dearborn gets a pick, Webb gets a pick, Jeremy Clark gets a pick. I bet you money, you probably most people couldn't even name who those three guys were before the game, before before the death chart came out. Webb a little bit because he played a little bit. Dearborn. Last time the Riders have won in Calgary. Uh, by Mitchell. The last four interceptions Bolivai Mitchell has thrown to the Rough Riders uh, during a game that the Rough Riders have won in Calgary. Um, 
the last four interceptions he's thrown in those situations have been somebody <laughs> making his first CFL interception. Deron Carter, Jason Dearborn. <laughs> or Jacob. Yeah, uh, Jacob Dearborn. Jacob Dearborn. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, then Dylan Webb and Clark. So uh, he, he's making a lot of defensive backs look good or even receivers turned into he defensive He sure backs. didn't look good, did he? That second half, that wasn't oh. holy. But maybe on the touchdown drive, he looked like he came back a little bit to the regular self. But holy smokes, some, there's something going on with Bo Levi. And people hate him in Saskatchewan. You and, you and I both respect him. We love watching him play. When he was on, he was incredible. And he's just not on right now. And I don't know what it's going on. Like they had uh, Kamar Jordan return. I kind of thought that would have a big impact. And it didn't really seem to do that. Even well, he made that one play down on the one-yard line. Yeah. But aside from that, there wasn't a lot. And uh, Kadeem Carey, you know, who's chewed up the Riders, did pretty well. But I think the Riders deserve credit for shutting him down. Well, he had 42 they, yards in the first half, and then and then they really shut him down in the second last second half. Yeah, so that's good them credit. That was something they had to they had to change. They had to do something about. Now we both know William Stanbeck is a whole other game. What a huge monster running back he is, and you know the league leading rusher. He runs downhill. He runs downhill hard. He can make cuts. Boy, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch to see what the Rough Riders do defensively to slow him down. But at least they have the uh, the game plan they can carry over from carry a little bit. <laughs> carry over, get that? I can make plans like you. And you look at uh, – this is a game, too, where Micah Johnson has had such a good year for the Rough Riders. Yeah. hasn't gotten a lot of credit. But I think in many ways this is a Micah Johnson they were hoping to get in, in 2019. And uh, he's been such a tower of strength inside. And uh, if you look at uh, – he only had one tackle in Calgary, oh. but it was, a, it was a big tackle for a loss. And he's just, he's gobbling up personnel along the, along the offensive line. Um, Michael I Johnson thought he did that in 19, Rob. Sorry, I'm talking. I thought no, he, 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 he not as, not as impact, but he started, it was just a little bit overlooked because he was also battling a high ankle spray and whatever he's got going on this year too. But I, I, I don't think he was as effective as everybody wanted him to be in 19, but I thought he was pretty, he was okay most of the time. Didn't get, he's not the 14 sack monster that he was with Calgary. No, but he's he's really a factor inside. He is. And he really is. I don't think it's an accident that a lot of the other a lot of the other defensive linemen are able to eat this year because yeah. he has got to be such a priority for opposing linemen. I mean, there was one game earlier this year where three people had laid a helmet or a, some pads on Micah Johnson. They just he just has to be paid attention to, and uh, and I don't think it's accidental that, that other players are uh, enjoying a good year. And AC Leonard, I mean, this is a guy who. Um, wasn't expected to play at one point last week. Ended up playing extremely well. Had a key tackle for a loss. Had a pressure on Bowley by Mitchell. That ended up with a sack. Ended up forcing a sack uh, that was registered mm-hmm. by Dion Lacey. But it was AC Leonard who was exerting the pressure there. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that was a really gutsy effort by AC. And I know we've uh, we there have been other conversations about him this year. I think we certainly have to set a single him out yes. for the way he performed uh, in Calgary. He was dominant against Calgary in those three games. I think he had four sacks in the two of the two before. I don't have that written down, but he, he's been dominant against Stampers. He's got to carry him now because they're going to need him against the Alouettes. Which is well, if you go be. back to the West final last or last year in 2019, <laughs> yeah. um, AC Leonard, Leonard, beginning with that game, is basically a, basically at a sack a game. And uh, there's three games that he didn't play, but um, when he's played, he's been very in, impactful. And it certainly underlines the wisdom of the decision not to bring back Charleston Hughes. Exactly. And every game is there. And one thing about E.C. Leonard, he's not a big showboater. He doesn't doesn't want the attention. I think the worst thing that could happen, I know 
we talked about the the, the uh, failing to supply a drug test, drug sample, and the uh, some kind of actions. It had a hurt in becoming from the public like that because he is not a public guy. I've had more times he just said, no, I don't want to talk now. He's really a hard guy to get to open up. He's just shy, I think. But, boy, he's standing out. Because imagine, like, a, Charleston Hughes was a bit of a self-promoter, I think we could say. <laughs> and popular. Like, he was fun. I, I liked his celebration dances. I think that's part of the game. So maybe A.C. Leonard, if he was a little bit more uh, celebratory, a little more ex- expressive. Well, he's a pretty, he's a, on the field, though, he's a pretty exuberant player. But not off the field, he's not. Off the field, he's very reserved. And uh, I've never... I've never interviewed him. Now, you do a lot more interviews than I do, but he's not quoted very often. And, it's hard uh, to get him to say anything. But he's uh, yeah, he's letting his play speak for for, for itself. And uh, it's interesting, though. I mean, I just I just look at this game the last week, and a lot of the things that people were harping on are still things that can be harped on, but the, the, the tenor of the discussion is, is to an extent, in, influenced in the harshness of the criticism mitigated by the, by the result, but... I look at it, the, offense, the offensive line has to, have to improve. They allowed four sacks. They yeah, were expected to be more explosive through the air. They weren't. Uh, bone, they cut down on penalties, but there was an absolute boneheaded um, time count violation. One of the boxes they did check off was stop the run. They did that tremendously, especially in the second half. Do you think the, the offensive line played better in the second half, though? You know, there had to be a reason, for well, some reason, why they had a little more success. And I think the offensive line was... I, I know you. it's pretty hard to give credit because they've been pretty bad over the last little while, but I thought they played better in the second half. I think Cody had more time. Well, you look at the play before the Kyron Moore touchdown, though, and it yeah. was everything that Cody could do to get the ball away because he was under siege there. Yeah, but that's... They also built in some protections, too. They started off the game with, with uh, I think it was a seven-man front, mm-hmm. and uh, and they I think they tried to tried to, to scheme their way around some deficiencies, too. But, I mean, there was – Calgary got a sack on a three-man rush. I know that. I remember that one. I was going, holy smoke. There were a lot of similarities in the first part of that game that made you think, oh, no, they're going to be in trouble. I felt like yeah. I was going to end up writing the same column. Yeah, you know, like, how do I, do I cut, paste, and just revise a few words? But the fact that, they held Calgary to a field goal instead of a touchdown was significant, I think, you know, on that first play, which is, you know, four or three. But I think that was significantly not – maybe not as much – Maybe motivation-wise, maybe emotions and stuff, and momentum says that they, they didn't, they're not in this position of being down a touchdown quickly. It's only a field goal. Maybe that helped a little bit. Well, if you look at it, too, I mean, the, the interception right off the bat, it was an ugly interception. I'm not oh. sure what happened on it, but there was just nobody near yeah. uh, near um, the, you know. Anybody. <laughs> anybody. It was just like a, it was like a, it was a Texas League fly ball that was intercepted. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's your, your first series. And, and you throw that kind of interception, and and that could be so deflating. But the but the Rough Riders, like you said, were able to hold uh, Calgary to a field goal. Calgary got down to the uh, you know into the well into the red zone, and uh, ends up with a field goal. And you got to remember too, like uh, you get the interception by Dozier, and then right off the bat, first play by Calgary is 33 yards to Markeith Ambles, who had scored a 71 yarder on Calgary's yeah. first play from scrimmage the previous game. So then bang, they hit Henry for for 17 yards. And suddenly they're on the ten yard line. They've been intercepted uh, just past midfield. They were right were just past Cal- just into just just be just outside of Calgary territory when when Cody Pajardo was intercepted. And suddenly it's zing zing, and, and Calgary's in the ten yard line. Mm-hmm. And then they hold them to a chip shot field goal. Well, then the, the Riders come out again. They have to punt. And then yeah. and then uh, you know it was it was uh, incompletion sack punt. 
And then the next drive, the Riders fumble the ball away. So you're thinking, oh, well, it seemed like a, a better start was of the essence for the Rough Riders. And yet they came out of it. They ended up being 3-3. Uh, and uh, that was huge, just to, just to kind of weather that storm. Yeah. Do you think they weather the storm with John Ryan's being having a sprained ankle and Brett Lowther punting? Well, what do you it, think? Uh, it, uh, it, it depends. I guess we might see a global actually have oh. an impact upon a game for the first time since uh, well, for the Rough Riders. Well, there's uh, two global punters on the roster. There's uh, Ben Scrutton, I think that's how you pronounce the names, and I hope I got Kier Verdvik's names right too. He's the Norwegian punter. He has a lot of NFL experience, which is surprising. He played with five teams and uh, you know some pretty good numbers. Not like never. I think he played in one regular season game, and they both have they're both. Uh, pretty accomplished university kickers. Scroton was with uh, Scroton. I'm assuming that's you pronounce it. Scroton was with with Hawaii. Had a 44.1 yard average. Verdict was with Marshall, and we all saw that movie, so we all know Marshall intimately. <laughs> Marshall. Uh, the another former rider receiver, Rep Dawson, is Red Dawson, who was one of the assistant coaches on the Marshall team. That uh, was nearly all. Nearly all of them were killed in the 1970 plane crash. Uh, yeah. uh, Red Dawson movie. wasn't on the uh, wasn't on the flight. So there's a rider connection to the Marshall team from 1970. Great movie too. Well, football movie, well worth watching. Absolutely. But Verdict, I was reading, had a 92 yarder against uh, Old Dominion as a punter with Marshall. So he can he probably has he's, he's had the best leg. Looking in practice, it's I have to admit I'm not as focused on the punters when the Number one punter is John Ryan. You don't think too much of the other guy's ever going to get a chance. But he looks like, so we'll, we'll find out more at practice if, if John Ryan can go, what, what happens with the two global punters and stuff. It just adds another little, maybe a layer to this one. Because uh, the Australian connection, you look at Calgary, Cody Grace can punch Tremendous. Like, just Tremendous. a leg. Like he's, he's so far ahead of everybody else. And his leg is just so powerful. So that what I don't get, though, sorry, is – why didn't the Riders build any insurance into their roster? You've got to dress a global player anyway. Well, the insurance is Brett Lowther, Rob. He can he works on punts every day. Yeah, but why not? Why not have a what if what if, what if Brett Lowther were to were to get what if, were to get hurt? Why don't they? If you got to, if you got to use a global spot anyway, why not make that spot a kicker? You've got three of them in town, yet none of them are dressing, and then suddenly your punter gets injured. And 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 the it would it would seem. To me, the best, better option as a number two punter was a global player as, a, as opposed to Brett Lothar. Why you got to dress that player anyway? Why don't you have him on the roster as opposed to a fullback who's not even being used? It would seem to me to build to build a safety net into the into the special teams would be a lot more productive use of a global player than uh, than the, the mannequin well, approach. You're, you're way ahead of me on this history. I can't remember the last time I saw a punter get hurt with the Riders. Maybe Jamie Bohr many many years ago when he made that tackle on the sideline. And he hurt his neck. That's going back a long, long yeah, time. Jamie Borum was a punter, a safety playing, playing punter. But, punter. Yeah. But still, why not? I mean, why not build in a build in some some security regarding your kicking game? You've got to you've got to dress a player anyway. If Lothar were to get hurt, what would they have done then? So, well, they probably would have gone to. Uh, I don't know who punts by now. Would would uh, Nick Marshall maybe? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> doesn't lick, doesn't go down. Guy, yeah, John Ryan, there. John Ryan, I guess would have been their option as a place yeah. kicker if, if 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 Brett Lothar had gotten hurt. But why not? Why not use that import spot for a kicker? That just yeah. you, it, it gives you a uh, a backup plan. You've got okay. reinforcements everywhere else on the roster, but you don't have one for for your kickers, it, and you got to dress that player anyway. It would work with Scroton or Scroton because he was a for, DB at Hawaii too. 
before he became a punter in his senior season. See, my notes there are helping. Look at that, eh? So I did a little bit of research before this ride of rumblings. But anyway, Rob, uh, just let's just touch on some of the other things around the league before we head off here, because I think there's been Nick such Arbuckle a, to Edmonton. Holy smokes, that guy's been on. He's he's seen more stadiums than I have this year. My <laughs> goodness. That, that, you know, Nick Barber, and then you know, last week was Trevor Harris going the other way, and Marcel, and what do you think, Calgary? gets found, gets it's fired. And basically, they, these quarterbacks are getting traded for, you know, a bag of hockey pucks. You know, these guys are like a conditional, for, I think, was it conditional fourth or conditional third? I, did, I saw too many, there were too many but, tweets. But I mean, Nick Arbuckle was supposed to be the guy in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, and, was uh, the word was here. Yeah. Hey, two years ago, Toronto ends up trading a quarterback. That quarterback ends up winning the Grey Cup. It won't happen with Nick Arbuckle in Edmonton this year, but maybe maybe they've found the answer uh, yeah. just through a through a, 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 a roster dump at the end of the at the end of the year. I still I still don't understand why Toronto was soured on Nick Arbuckle. I don't know. I, I don't like. We both know McLeod Thompson last year led the league in touchdown passes. Last year, 2019. There's a lot of garbage time touchdown passes. Yeah, I know. That's right. an asterisk because quarterbacks were getting hurt. Yeah, so that was kind of – but he still led the league, I guess. you got to take that. But I was surprised to see Arbuckle go. I thought he was going to be the guy to come in and uh, guide them through things, but maybe they really – It makes it interesting, too, because the Rise is to play Edmonton twice. And suddenly, with Edmonton, if they're they're playing Arbuckle instead of Cornelius, that might be a tougher matchup for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's half their remaining schedule. And they've got to play Arbuckle ahead of Cornelius, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, we, we dozed through <laughs> watching him play. He's just not ready yet. And then there's yeah. nothing against him. But the guy we see game. some of Trevor Harris this week if, 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 if Schultz should falter. Yeah. Suddenly they've got a pretty good one in Montreal coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. Does he think he's ready, though? That's quick. They're, they're pretty, they don't like starting a guy too quickly. But no, I don't think they'll the, start him. But, I mean, if, if, if Schultz, Schultz were to falter, you've got Trevor Harris to, to worry about. And we both know... Sorry to see Marcel Desjardins go. I've met him a couple times. Seems like an okay guy. But Ottawa had to do something. They, you know, they weren't they aren't going to fire La Police just because he's going to be around. They, they just don't have enough talent, Rob. Is there anybody on that Ottawa team looking and say, yeah, he could play in the, on, on, on any other CFL team? Deadman. Uh, Deadman, and he's hurt. Could you imagine uh, the Riders had a returner like that? Oh. <laughs> well, they, Rashard, Rashard Davis was... He's yeah. out there. He's out there. That's <laughs> somewhat elusive, but you know, yeah, it, 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 I didn't mind him. But I don't think he beat out Jamal Moore. I think Jamal Moore is still going to come back. I think he still has more potential. And, it, and the problem is Swerve, who's great at that, is they need him on offense, and they're trying to keep him fresh for both both to play both sides. So yeah, know. at least. Uh, but I mean, again, all those criticisms are or deficiencies are are muted a bit when you look at the result and. Now the Rough Riders can, you know, even though they lost the season series to Calgary, they won that game that was going to put them back in a in an advantageous position. Had they lost that, it would have been a pretty owly week. Yeah. What do you think they do down the stretch, Rob? You know, basically they have to win three or four, I guess, eh? Or have well, Calgary. Depending struggle. on how Calgary does. But, yeah, Calgary. But they're in a situation now where they control what they do. Yeah. And uh, and they were in 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 peril of not being of having to need a bit of help to to get uh, get themselves in back into the into the realistic race for a playoff game or for a home playoff game. And also, it was it was a it was a it was a victory over a team where you can say, okay, that's a legitimate victory. That it was so easy yeah. to write off the three and zero start based upon the the caliber of the opposition. 
and and then they they hit the skids against Winnipeg, and you're saying, okay, they, now they've played a real team. Look what's happened. And yeah. uh, and uh, I think the, a victory over Calgary is is certainly a, a sign that the Rough Riders are still they still have an opportunity to be a formidable opponent over the remainder of the year, as opposed to the well, let's squeak into the playoffs because nobody else is worse. Yeah, that's and and they actually there's optimism in going to the playoffs too. It won't just be one and done. You know, they can maybe go for a little farther. And it's kind of interesting to be Hamilton on December 12th. It'd be interesting to be <laughs> in southern Ontario in the middle of December to see what kind of weather you get there. Be a... Well, the last time there was a Grey Cup in Hamilton in December, the Riders played in it. And the last time there was a... Um, okay, which year was that? 1972. 72, okay. And the last time the Bombers finished first in the West was 1972. So if you look at it, Grey Cup in Hamilton in December, Bombers finished first in the West. Riders were eight and eight in 1972. They they were weren't an exceptional team. I don't think this is an exceptional team. So I don't know. Maybe think maybe things are stacking up 49 years later. I was at I was at that 1972 playoff game in Winnipeg, by the way. So uh, hard to believe it's been 49 years since they've they well, hosted a West final. They we got to remember they were in the East for a lot of years, and they exactly that's the got to put. It hasn't been that. But I remember I pointed out before that in 72, we're driving around Thompson, Manitoba in my dad's front neck, listening on the radio because we didn't have it on TV yet, which is hard to believe. And I still don't know why we didn't have it on TV because I never got to ask my dad that question. But anyway, we did watch around listening on the radio and Ian Sunter, yay, for the Tiger Cats win. And uh, and he, actually that year, Ian Sunter. He's horrible. Uh, <laughs> he's horrible. <laughs> but he, the Riders' first game of the year, uh, they played in Hamilton, and Ian Sunter kicks the field goal in the last play to win it. Riders played Hamilton in the Grey Cup again. Ian Sunter kicks the field goal in the last play to win it. And his numbers that year, I'm, try, I'm, I, I'm trying to rem- – I think they were like during the regular season. I'm going to check this out, but I think he was like 14 for 37 on field goal attempts. Something about – that seems well, – I don't ever doubt your numbers. It was terrible. It was and, horrible. Uh, um, and, and, and that's all he did. He was their kicker. Um, I'm just looking up uh, – up his stats from 1972 because I am really annoying with stuff. He was 14 for 38 during the regular season, 36.8 yard average, 36.8%. And yet he was two for two on game winning kicks against the Rough Riders. So uh, it's like 1970 in the West final, Larry Robinson had a terrible year kicking the football, well below 50%. I think it was even below 40%. Yet he kicks the field goal into the win from 32 yards away to win the West final in 1970. So the Riders playing, playing against kickers that really had bad numbers, Suddenly, they all look like uh, Dave Ridgway when the game was on the line. So, anyway, well, we'll see what happens on this weekend in Montreal. It's supposed to be fall lake. Fall is here, I guess. Eh? It uh, it, it truly is. It's Can you believe to... we'll be head? Our next November will be in November. Like I just, I was doing some stuff that involved November dates. I'm going, holy smokes, we're in November already. Almost. Yeah. We've got a little bit of time yet. We're not going to quite jump into it right ready, but holy. Just think where we were last November, kind of wondering what we would do with each other. Yeah, at each other it, with it no sports, different, different vibe. And now it, it's just a matter of okay, yeah, let's. It, it's a sporting buffet, and it's it's so it's yeah. so great that so many sports are back. I'm I'm loving the this. World Series is going to be awesome. I've just, I actually want Houston to win because I like Dusty Baker. Yeah, I like I've always liked that. I like Rosero for I can't remember his first name, but he just a clutch hitter. And home runs and to the right field, left field, down the middle and stuff. Just a, an incredible player that we're watching should, right it now. It should be a good series. And uh, yeah. you know, baseball has just been um, 
so captivating these last few weeks. So something uh, about the long some ball. Some of them have been higher scoring games than the CFL has been putting on. Yeah. Well, Boston, I was, I was, I was kind of cheering for Boston a little bit. I just, I, don't know, I like their their lineup top to bottom. Maybe that was just it, but I'll, I'll switch my allegiances to the Braves maybe. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Freddie Freeman seems like a nice guy. So yeah, I'm, was it Chris I don't Taylor? Know. Chris Taylor hits three home runs. That's crazy. Yeah, and the coming strikes out for the noted. Like he's not the type. Reggie Jackson hits three or three home runs in a game. You think okay, that's Reggie Jackson. You don't expect it from. You know, George Brett had three home runs in a playoff game. Okay, well, it's George Brett. You, I believe is your favorite player. Yes, but it is. Uh, did you name a dog after him? I did have a dog. Brett was named after him. The only non-M in the family. It was a unanimous decision that he be named after George Brett. What a great little dog. Good old Brett. Last of three was 16. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope, uh, I hope I get the same longevity out of my beautiful cone-headed candy. Yes. Well, all right, Rob, you want to read our farewell speech? Yeah, I'll read the outro. And uh, I'm sure people will be relieved that it's over now that we've truly gone to the dogs with this podcast. (laughs) If you enjoy the podcast, even though we have gone to the dogs today, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get them on Apple Podcasts on my phone. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob. I'm at rvanstone at postmedia.com. And we'll read it on the show. You can follow me. My name is, I believe, Rob. On Twitter at, at Rob Vanstone or Murray. His Twitter handle is at Murray LP. So that is the uh, mandatory uh, sign off. You know, it's funny. I noticed on my car the other day, I have Stitchers listed on my list of radio stations. I still don't know what Stitcher is, but I do have it on my car. So yeah. one day, one day we'll do some investigative journalism and try to find out for two old goats like us what the heck Stitcher is. Well, you've had like three surgeries. You should be familiar with Stitcher. <laughs> well, you're you gotta, so funny. You, you keep me in protect. Stitches. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> on that wonderful note, um, for Marie McCormick, uh, the well-sutured Marie McCormick, uh, I'm Rob Vanstone with Candy, and uh, we'll, we look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks for your time today, and. Uh, Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll see you. Bye.